Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Podcast. This is Andy Mitz. I'm actually joined by a full cast here tonight. I have uh, Steve Fetch, David Potter, and Mike Plank. All of us uh, are here to talk about the the most pressing stories that have kind of happened in the last few weeks here. Um, how are you guys doing tonight? Good. Good. Everybody's good. All right. Let's let's go ahead and jump right into it. This week we had the non-conference schedule for the basketball team for this upcoming season release. Um, all of the commentary that I've seen on it was that, you know, it's a it's a pretty weak schedule that's a little bit disappointing, and yet KU is trying to, you know, pass it off as a as a really strong one. Um, we'll go ahead and start with you, uh, Fetch. What what are your thoughts on the on the non conference schedule as a whole? And I mean, do you do you really buy into that argument of it's really not that strong? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's probably not as strong as as it has been um, obviously Kentucky and the champions classic is the main uh, marquee matchup um, there, you know, it's kind of hurt by playing Texas A&M in the, in the big 12 SEC challenge rather than maybe like a Florida or something. Although I think A&M is going to be fine. Um, but you know, Washington and Syracuse who they're playing in, in neutral site games um, are not great. But I mean, here's here's the fact of the matter. When you're when you're Kansas, I mean, you're really scheduling your non-conference um, one for your RPI, and you know their RPI is not going to take a huge hit by playing all these teams. Um, even their um, you know their their kind of cupcake games are all teams that are uh, either NCAA tournament teams last year, like South Dakota State, uh, or teams that are going to have a chance, like you know an Omaha or a Stanford. So you're recruiting for that. And then you're also recruiting, uh, for, or I mean, scheduling for recruiting. Uh, so they're playing Syracuse in Florida. 
you know, they're, they're playing, um, you know, Kentucky in the, in the champions classic, which is in Chicago this year. Um, they're playing, you know, Washington. I mean, I guess that's in the sprint center. So it's not like they're getting a ton of recruiting there. Um, but you know, the home and home with Arizona state, they're going to Arizona next year. So, you know, they're, they're trying to play in all these places where they're recruiting. Um, and so when you look at, you know, their RPI is going to be fine. Um, they're probably going to get, you know, Devonte Graham and some of these guys, uh, arrest, you know, fingers crossed. Um, and then they're recruiting, you know, they're playing in Florida, they're playing in Chicago, they're playing in California this year. So, um, really for my mind, it's a, it's pretty much a perfect non-conference schedule for me. You've, you've watched too much Bill Self coach basketball teams to think that Devontae Graham is going to get any rest regardless of who they're playing next year. <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, so, David, do you want to jump in with some thoughts on the on the, the schedule as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a non-issue to me. I, I, for one thing, you know, if Syracuse is what Syracuse normally is, this isn't even a topic of discussion because then they've got Kentucky, then they've got Syracuse as their marquee games, and then, you know, Washington, Stanford, Nebraska, you know, not, not real impressive. And then, um, I, I mean, the – the, the cupcake games are what Bill Self always does. Those uh, teams who are in bad conferences but probably going to win a lot of games in those conferences, even if they don't do real well in the non-con, which helps boost the RPI. Um, but, I mean, I, I think it's a, it, it's not like the schedule a couple of years ago that was murderous row, but it's not it's not terrible. And I think, you know, if Syracuse is more like a marquee Syracuse team, then, you know, this never gets brought up at all. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not worried about it. I, I mean, there are going to be a ton of transfers on this team, so it, it might even be better that they have maybe a little bit of a lighter load as they kind of learn to mesh together. And then especially since you've got uh, Cunliffe transferring in at uh, at semester. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good point, that we're not going to be at full strength for this team until, you know, halfway through the year. So it's probably good to not have a, a huge – potentially uh, treacherous, you know, group of games to go through and have to deal with, you know, taking that hit before. Mike, did you have anything you wanted to add? Uh, there's not really too much to add. I don't think these guys hit it hit it pretty good. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree with David. that If Syracuse and uh, either Washington or Nebraska – or, I'm sorry, either uh, Washington or Stanford were expected to be decent in the Pac-12, nobody would even be – would even be talking about it. So and it, it is a step down from what the last five or six years or so when we've had literally had top five, top 10 schedules. Uh, but it, it's, it's a non-issue to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I do have to agree. If you look back when all of these games were scheduled, um, these teams were all expected, you know, to be at least middle of the road in their conference or better. Um, and quite a few of them have kind of fallen off a cliff. I mean, that Nebraska game, I mean, Nebraska was better last year than I think a lot of people thought they were going to be, but even a few years prior to that, they were definitely on, a, on an upswing. So when we scheduled that game, it looked like that, that home and home series, it looked like they were going to be an improving opponent that could potentially, you know, be an, a, a big RPI boost. And even coming into this year, it doesn't look like they're going to be, you know, a, a weak team at all. They're just probably not going to give us as big of a boost as we are used to getting with some of our, our high major conference opponents. Um, but, you know, you look at games like uh, Toledo and um, Oakland. I mean, these are teams that uh, just a few years ago were, were either in the NCAA tournament or were performing well in the NIT. I mean, you've, you've got a lot of 
what what was shaping up to be um, a really good you know top of the line non conference schedule that we usually see. Um, but you know, like last year, I believe it was when we played Long Beach State, and they were absolutely horrible. And you know, at that point, but they were still. Uh, a quality opponent, and they had been such a good quality opponent for so long that it was kind of ridiculous to give him, you know, any kind of grief for scheduling a Long Beach State that turned out to be a really not that great of a team at all that year. Um, so I, I think we're kind of seeing a little bit of that happening as well, that, um, you know, it's it's kind of a little bit of revisionist, well, you know, these this wasn't really a strong non-conference. Well, it was when we put it together, and these teams just aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. I just uh, just on a lark here looked up a couple other schedules. Um, Kentucky's is actually pretty good. They play us, uh, UCLA, and and uh, Louisville. Um, but nor- so North Carolina plays uh, Stanford, uh, Ohio State. I guess is their second best game, um, <laughs> and Ohio State's going to be terrible. Um, I guess they, they might play Oklahoma in that uh, big Nike tournament or whatever that's this year. Um, but that's a terrible schedule. You know, Louisville plays uh, Indiana, uh, I mean, Seton Hall, Southern Illinois, Grand Canyon. I mean, none of these, you know, none of these schools really have, like, uh, insane – schedules. So, I mean, I think it's just more of, you know, not really picking on Kansas for not having a good schedule. It's more, you know, you could count on Kansas to play some of these marquee games in the past and they aren't as much uh, now, um, more so than any kind of statement about the quality of their uh, schedule, I think. Well, and and I mean, we, we had linked the, or, or Mike had linked the article about, uh, about KU's schedule and how weak it was. I, I don't know that this is even really a national discussion at all. I think uh, for the most part, it might just be one college basketball writer sitting there in June with a deadline, just trying to think of something to write about more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see that. I think, I think though, anyone that, that kind of does have that comment, I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that the marquee matchups that we do have, uh, that, you know, Kentucky – um, and some of these other ones, um, you know, and, and obviously what was supposed to be Syracuse was supposed to be a marquee matchup. These are all ones that we knew ahead of time. You know, that we've, these have been on the schedule for months and months, um, even years in some cases, like with the Kentucky one. And so, you know, really the only thing that got unveiled this week was a lot of games that aren't necessarily going to be spectacular games that people really, really want to see. So, so there's just nothing new to be excited about, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a lot of what it is. So. All right, I think that about finishes up with the schedule. Let's go ahead and jump into our next topic. Uh, it was it was announced uh, to, earlier today on Twitter that we um, had signed, I believe he's the number 19 defensive end in the nation, also the number two prospect in the state of Kansas. Um, last name is Emery, and I just lost his first name. But he's, he's a defensive end um, that we just signed for this next recruiting class. Um, did, did anyone have any kind of general thoughts on him real quick? Well, it just depends on where you look. Uh, some places, I think 247 Sports has him as number 17 overall, but he is the number two recruit in the state of Kansas. Uh, 6'5 already, 235 pounds, so he's going to be putting on some weight probably, hopefully, hopefully before he gets to campus. Uh, but, uh, I mean, what, what can you say about him? He's got offers from Oklahoma and Louisville. 
Uh, it, it does kind of stand out to me that those are the only offers he has are Kansas, Oklahoma, Louisville, and Iowa State. Like, I don't know why more schools aren't offering him. He's currently a three-star recruit. If he puts on some weight and has a great senior year, he could be a four-star recruit. Uh, we'll just have to kind of see how the senior year goes. But, uh, you know, another good get for David Beatty and, and that in-state recruiting push may be starting to pay off a little bit. David, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm not too worried about the the low number of offers. I'm sure as even though he's committed as the senior year goes on, he'll probably pick up a few. Um, it is a little weird seeing Oklahoma in on a guy and only a couple other teams, but it could also be that you know, people kind of knew for a while that he was he was a, a KU lean, so they weren't really bothering with him. You know, a lot can go on behind the scenes, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, I mean, load up, load up the offensive and defensive lines with as many good recruits as you can get. I mean, you, you can't really go wrong with that strategy. Um, I mean, to, to having Wise and Armstrong on the line right now is the only reason KU's defense was even decent last year, along with maybe Mike Lee at safety. So um, the better you can do in the trenches, then the better it makes the rest of the team look. So, yeah, the more, uh, the more highly rated guys you can get on the lines, the, the better. Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with that, that that's kind of um, what the focus needs to be, at least at this point while, you know, obviously while we're still rebuilding. Um, the, the one thing I will say, you know, he's kind of reminiscent of a um, couple, I believe it was a couple years ago, we had that other recruit that was based in Lawrence, actually from Lawrence, um, where the only two real major people that were offering him were Kansas and Oklahoma. Um, and he, and of course, ended up picking Oklahoma. And so, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a similar situation. I, and if I remember back then, that kind of was what they were saying is that, you know, he he had so heavily indicated that he was seriously considering just going to Kansas that a lot of the other big-name programs didn't feel it worth the effort to come in and try to take him away. Um, you know, he was he was leaning towards Kansas and Oklahoma, and those were kind of clear his clear-cut top two at that point. So I, I imagine this is probably something similar he's, you know, already kind of indicated to a lot of people that would be recruiting him that he's definitely leaning towards one or two particular schools. Um, the, the one thing that kind of struck me as I was reading more about him is that he definitely seems to be um, geared towards being a replacement for a guy like uh, Armstrong. Um, you know, obviously we've we've kind of talked in the past about how likely it might be that or, that Armstrong and or Wise could be leaving early um, next year or or potentially the year after. Uh, actually, I, I think next year would be the early year for Armstrong and the year after would be for Wise. Um, but I, either way, I think this is kind of geared directly towards replacing some of these guys that we're going to be losing on the line um, really, really soon here. So, um, and, and I'll kind of move that into another question. Um, you know, is what spots on this football team do you think we need to kind of be recruiting to replace a guy? Um, obviously, you know, something like Mike Lee, we have a few more years of him at the very least, um, two two more years, potentially that, that third year. And so, you know, I, I, like I wouldn't consider him to be someone that we need to, to kind of recruit to replace. But what what areas are we either really, really uh, shallow in or areas that you think we are, might potentially be losing some guys that, that might overperform and decide to jump um, that we should be focusing on in the next couple of years? for recruiting? For me, it's O-line, D-line, and secondary. Uh, I mean, that secondary outside of Mike Lee, I, 
it's going to be so shaky this year. And not that it was great last year even with them, but now they've lost, lost uh, Fish Smithson. And, I mean, the corners really had a hard time, have had a hard time since we lost Dexter McDonald and uh, Ja'Cory Shepard. So I think the secondary um, is going to be a big one. The D-line, you know, it looks all right right now because we've got Armstrong and Wise, but KU can't always count on having guys like that on the D-line. Um, and just in general, I mean, no one can really ever afford to neglect the lines. I know I kind of said that earlier, but that that's such an important foundation to the team. And then the offensive line has just pretty much been terrible terrible since the day Mark Mangino left. So that, that's that's always going to be a focus and a place where you can never have too many decent players. So um, obviously you always need a quarterback, um, a couple playmakers on offense, but uh, those are the three big ones for me. I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on on talking about where we need to focus on recruiting because as as good as we think Armstrong and Wise are and are going to be, especially this next year and hopefully this next two years, there's nobody on this football team that we shouldn't be trying to recruit over, if that makes sense. Uh, I mean, even even some of the receivers we have, you know, Charlotte's unproven. He, yeah, he's a five-star recruit, but he's unproven and – uh, it was good last year, but you know, if somebody's better, that somebody needs to play. Uh, I, I just, I, I just don't think that we're we're at a point where we can really talk like that. Uh, David does make David does make a good point. You know, lines are very important, and you know, all the big four and five star recruits go to the big school, especially offensive linemen. They all go to the big schools, and that's part of the reason why those schools are so good every year. But uh, I, I mean, if we can. Places like Kansas, we have to develop those kind of players. So the staff needs to recruit. We're always going to get skill players. We're always going to get the Tony Pearsons, and we're always going to get the uh, James Sims and the, and the players like that. But can we develop, recruit, and or develop, you know, offensive and defensive line? That's what we have to do. Yeah, I mean, and I do think that that's kind of, you know, a requirement for any decent college football team is you have to always be recruiting the line. Um, I, I think I was kind of more thinking of the fact, you know, we've recruited so many wide receivers and obviously you're always kind of looking for additional guys. Um, but, you know, defensive end specifically, I think when, when Armstrong leaves is going to be a weakness. I don't know that anybody else that we've recruited yet to this point is going to be able to kind of replace that production. I think we're going to, you know, kind of see again with um, Fish Smithson leaving, um, with with him graduating, you know, as, as David already talked about, the, the secondary is going to have problems. Um, and, and so, you know, I probably would have said last year that we probably need to make sure we're getting quite a few defensive backs that can kind of jump in. Um, you know, so I was kind of thinking more along those lines, but you guys both make an excellent point that we don't, we, you know, this, this team really isn't in the shape of, well, we only need, you know, one or two positions to really get shorn up. And then we have a really, really good team. Um, we are definitely kind of rebuilding everywhere. And, offensive and defensive line are kind of the foundation of any particular team. So that's, that's obviously a good place to, to kind of focus on. Um, Fetch, before we move on to the next thing, did you have any other comments about the football team at all you wanted to make? Uh, basically the only thing I know about football is you need good lines to win. So, uh, and also that you should always go for it on fourth down. So uh, I think, I think anything I say would be pretty super superfluous at this point. What about oh, CFL? Who do you like in the CFL this year, Rich? Uh, you know, I haven't I haven't really uh, dug into it too much. Um, Calgary always looks pretty good. 
Uh, obviously, Ottawa won it last year, but they weren't uh, they weren't very good. So uh, I think probably like Calgary, Edmonton, kind of look like the the best two teams right now. John Cornish retire or still running around up there? Uh, you know, he was hurt a lot of last year, and I th- I think he's done. Um, but I'm not – I could be wrong. I think he retired, but I'm not positive. Yeah, I, I thought I read something that said he was he was done and moving on to to something, to like maybe some career – like the, the sort of thing you'd expect John Cornish to move on to, like something kind of weird and random, if, if I remember correctly. Right. I thought it had something to do with insurance, but I may not be remembering correctly. No. Well, yeah, I would. I, I would strongly advise him not to do that. But <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> you know the uh, the other team I like, as long as we're on this, is uh, is BC. They got a quarterback named uh, Jonathan Jennings, who's like I'm surprised he hasn't gotten uh, an NFL look yet. He's he's pretty darn good. So, uh, and obviously, you know the CFL is. Uh, even more of a quarterback league than the NFL. So uh, if you have the best or one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you're going to be in, in pretty good shape regardless of how the rest of your team looks. Yeah, I think that's pretty much true regardless of the level of football you're talking about. If if you've got one of the best quarterbacks, you're probably going to be one of the better teams. So. Well, uh, yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah. I think that's uh, well. You know, we we kind of got what we are going to be getting from you, right? On uh, college ho- or hockey updates and uh, Canadian football. <laughs> yeah, all we need is uh, cricket is next week, I think. All right, we'll, we'll definitely have to find a way to work cricket in in the next couple ones. Um, okay, well, we're actually going to go ahead and jump in. I'm actually a little excited about this this next part. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last couple of days. Um, you know, on the site this week, and I forget who it was that made the comment, but. Um, somehow we got into a big discussion about what, what was being called the uh, grads hot take hyperbole cannon, um, which, as you can imagine, is, you know, kind of spun off to a bunch of different things. But what we decided during the, the uh, prep for the podcast this week is that we're actually going to make this a regular part of the podcast. Um, every week, grad is going to give us a hot take that we can discuss um, and, and we're going to kind of go from there. So this week, I'm going to go ahead and read the one that we have for this week. It is, Kansas football should just blatantly cheat as much as possible over the next two seasons. Who cares if they get a postseason ban or lose a few scholarships? Winning on the field will be much more important, and they'd be in better shape at the end of it. Um, basically, because on-field wins are going to do more good for the for the program than the harm that would come from the punishments of of cheating. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn that over to you guys. Um, who wa- who wants to go first in commenting on this? Do you agree with it? Um, is it really not that much of a hot take, or um, you know, is is Grad just talking crazy? Well, let me start, guys. Let, let, yeah, let, okay, no, let me start ahead. real quick, David. I'm, I'm gonna be real short. I'm just going to say I do agree with it. I've agreed with it for years. And how do we know that they aren't already? Go for it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I I, I kind of doubt Turner Gill and David Beatty um, have just been cheating up the story. And if they've been doing it, they've been doing it wrong. I'll put it that way. Um, as, as far as whether or not they should, I mean, you look at what happened at Penn State. And, you know, the NCAA basically threw – the book at them and then had to take a lot of it back. And now they just won a big, big 10 title. So that wasn't cheating though. That wasn't recruiting cheating. It wasn't cheating, but it was unethical behavior 
and they lost a ton of scholarships and uh you know had postseason bans and all that and then you know a couple years later it doesn't really matter and, and i mean ku isn't the football program that penn state is but i mean but my, my overall point is that if you get to a point where you're good then it doesn't really matter you lose a few scholarships for a couple of years and then you're, you're still going to be able to get kids to come so um is yeah, that a shot at Baylor too, or just just Penn State? <laughs> well, we we don't know what's going to happen with Baylor yet. They're ha- they are having trouble recruiting, but that's kind of its own mess. That that goes a little further than uh, than than just cheating. So, um, yeah, I mean, I it, to 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 kind of tone down the take a little bit. I mean, isn't that kind of what Mark Mangino did? I mean, he took he took uh, flyers on guys like. Akeem Talib, Desmond Briscoe had some legal trouble while he was there. Um, yeah, Anthony Collins got in some trouble later on in the NFL. You know, he he went out and got some guys who weren't choir boys. And I, I don't know of any cheating per se. I think maybe we lost a scholarship at some point for one thing or another. But I mean, you you do have to you know you you, you have you have to look at everybody, especially when you're in KU's situation. You can't afford to be picky and make sure all the guys have, you know, exactly the right kind of attitude and the right kind of background that you want. You kind of just have to, you have to go get football players and if a couple of them screw up, then it happens. Well, I think, okay, so let me ask it to you this, let me ask it to you this way, David. Uh, so with the addition of Miles Emery, KU has a top 20 recruiting class for 2018. And you think that David Beatty is doing it all on the up and up. Uh, to, to the extent there is nobody on the up and up, I firmly believe that across major college athletics, even small college athletics, I don't think there's anybody truly fully on the up and up. I agree with that. But I mean, but when I, I I think the original hot take was, you know, just just you basically disregard all, all the rules and just just cheat all you want. I, I don't. Suitcases full of cash. Right. I don't think right. that's happening. And that's, and that's uh, what, I think the way I was going to kind of steer the conversation. I think what you guys are talking about is is more or less going after guys that we wouldn't necessarily want to associate with the program as opposed to the blatantly cheating. When I, when I read that, I was thinking things like, you know, gifts for potential recruits, talking to recruits at all at all times, not just within the recruiting periods that they're allowed, you know, trips and, and all kinds of stuff, just anything you could think of to try to convince these guys to come. And, you know, whether, whether that would lead to big sanctions or not, and obviously it would once people find out what we're doing and we just don't care about it. Um, you know, the, the idea, I guess, is supposed to be that the more, you know, the more on-field success we have, no matter what the cost, that's going to outweigh whatever that cost ends up being. I think I'm going to have to be the, the, the first one to kind of disagree with that. Um, I mean, while it would be fun to kind of think of, you know, us, you know, you know, contacting people that have already um, committed to other places in, in ways with, you know, with gifts and things like that to try to get them to come and, and think of all the people that we could, we could bring um, if we could get away with doing that, even, even, you know, to just bring them and then have to deal with the consequences later. Sure. It's, it's great to think about, Oh, well, we could have all these guys that are so great on the field, but you know, I, I think if we were to go just as overboard as we're talking about, uh, the NCAA might decide, Hey, we, we can make an example out of them and they could have huge sanctions. I mean, even like suspension of the program for a while or things like that, which, 
we, we can have a separate discussion about whether that would even be appropriate in that case, considering some of the other things that we've kind of seen that haven't even come close to that. But, you know, if, if want the authority that, that drastically and that openly, I mean, I, I have no, um, no doubt that the NCA would say, well, these guys just don't care about anything, so let's shut them down. And obviously, if that, I mean, if that ends up being the consequence, then there's absolutely no way it's worth it. USC was basically doing that. I mean, they were paying players left and right. Reggie Bush was showing up to practice in a nicer car than the, what the coaches were driving. I mean, they're flying. Yeah, and that's my point is that nobody's taken away that national title from Reggie Bush. They played the game. They won the game. You can't erase those memories for him or for the fans or for anybody. We know who won the national title that year. Who cares what the record book says? Well, but I think that's kind of my point is that, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that we have the kind of success that would put us up where people would, would actually be okay with just ignoring an NCAA decision or that the NCAA would be afraid to come after us. I mean, part, part well, after five years, years of cheating like hell, we might be. <laughs> well, but it's going to take, I mean, with where we're at right now, it's not like we could go out and say, all right, let's give every single recruit $100,000 and they're all going to come here and all of a sudden we're going to be a phenomenal team. It's just not going to happen that way. There's, there's just no way that we could possibly do that and turn it around as quickly as we would need to to kind of avoid the issues that would come with this. Um, I mean, USC, though, has that, had that tradition. It was never, it was never really, uh, I guess, feasible to think that the NCAA was going to come down and just completely, you know, take them to town for what they did because they had that tradition because they were such a big name in college football. I'm sorry, but Kansas is nowhere near that. And it would take too much time for them to kind of build that name to kind of insulate them from the, from the consequences of the blade and cheating. I mean, maybe, but you know, Mark Mangino went from well, 0 and 12 to six and six to 12 and one. Yeah. You know, he went from six and six to 12 and one in one year. It, it's harder to turn around a football program than it is, say, a basketball program, but it can still be done in just one or two years. Bill Snyder went bowling in, what, year three? I mean, year four? It, it, it's been done before. Yeah, and, and I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't, I don't know that the NCAA, with how blatant we're talking about here, would wait two or three years to start imposing sanctions or start imposing penalties. Um, I mean, I know that the that the process kind of has a time frame you have to go through, but I don't know how anyone with a straight face and with any kind of credibility would be able to do that and then deny any allegations that would come out of it, um, you know, and, and kind of drag it out long enough. I, I also think kind of, you know, if if we were that obvious about it, I don't know that the media would kind of rally around us in any in any sense of the way. And, and that, I think, is what we, it would kind of take to get people to, to leave it alone. Um, you, you'd have to have enough media consideration out there to kind of make the NCAA think twice about moving quickly. Um, well, and, uh, another thing is, I mean, you make it sound like, you know, if they start just blatantly cheating, like it's going to be found out pretty quickly. I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, Ole Miss, we think of Ole Miss as a good football school right now, but they weren't five or six years ago. But I think, was it, I don't remember if it was Hugh Freeze or, uh, or Houston Dunn, who was the coach at the time, but just out of nowhere, they popped up with a number one recruiting class full of four and five star recruits, and everybody yeah, kind of rolled their eyes. And, yeah, everyone kind of rolled their eyes and said, "Oh well, that's SEC football for you." And as far as I know, nothing, 
nothing's really hit the fan for Ole Miss at this point, and they've got a really good program rolling down there. Well, the Laramie Tunsil thing came out a year or two during the draft, right? What's that? Wasn't that, yeah, wasn't that Ole Miss, no, Laramie uh, Tunsil? Yep, and I think Kim Dietschy, like that's the big one, right, Robert Kim Dietschy? Yeah, he was the number one overall recruit that year. So, but so uh, the answer is miss suffering, I guess, is is my question. I, <laughs> I don't think they are. Yeah, well, they they never. I mean, they never do. Here's so I I just did a, a quick little googling while you guys were talking, and here are some notable bowl bands since 1980, and see if you can uh, find some similarities here. Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, Florida, uh, Houston. Oh, Kansas. I forgot that we had a bull band for a year. Um, Michigan. Uh, that you know, Ohio State. Uh, you know, all of these schools who have won national titles and who are very good. Uh, TCU, they haven't won a title, but they're really good. USC, uh, UCLA. I mean, all these programs are very good programs and uh, being caught, uh, you know, whether it be for academics or for, you know, impermissible benefits or whatever, uh, it doesn't do anything. You know, once you're, once you're good and once you have kind of, uh, I mean, obviously Kansas uh, will never have the, you know, historical track record as like an Alabama or an Oklahoma or something like that. But, um, you know, I mean, I think you could argue that they could get to the point where they're um, like, you know, Oklahoma State or, um, you know, some of these schools who have had uh, bull bands who have who have then been successful um, in all, you know, all these recruits care about is, you know, are you going to win games and, and am I going to get a little something? And uh, like David said, you, all of these programs are giving, you know, players and their families and stuff uh, money or, or you know, cars or whatever it whatever it is. Um, and, and they all should for, for the record. But uh, I don't really think that there's going to be any kind of uh, penalty that that is going to deter Kansas from, from doing stuff like that. I mean, you can't, uh, you can't get the death penalty unless you trigger the repeater clause. Uh, and there's, you know, after what happened to SMU, there's basically a lot of talk that no football programs ever going to get the death penalty again, basically. Right. Um, and quite frankly, if it didn't happen to Penn state and doesn't happen to Baylor, um, even though that's not, you know, impermissible benefits, but that's, that's what should get the death penalty more so than, you know, paying players and stuff. Um, right. So, uh, you know, like David said, everyone does it. And yeah, you know, it might be a case where they, they make an example out of a program like a Kansas versus an Alabama, but uh, you know, what are they going to do? Oh, you can't go to a bowl game. Well, <laughs> I mean, when's the last time we've been to a bowl game? You know, I don't really think they're not going to a bowl game as much. I'll, of a, I'll take honestly. a two year bowl ban. If it means three or four years of bowl games. Yep. First. Exactly. And I think that's right. that's point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think you guys, I, you know, I was, I wasn't really strongly, behind my my position to begin with i mean honestly you guys make pretty good points there i just i mean i i don't i don't know how much of an example the ncaa is going to make out of somebody i think they've taken enough bad publicity um that i think they they're they're kind of looking for that you know 
example that they can make of, well, this is a program that we can hit a lot harder than we necessarily need to, and, you know, there's not going to be that huge uproar to kind of come back um, against them for it. So I, I, I wouldn't want to be the one that they finally decide to stand up and, and actually grow a pair and, and do something about people, um, you know, kind of walking all over the rules all the time. But then again, you know, with all the examples you guys are giving, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know when they're actually going to decide to do that. And so, yeah, it may be worth if we can, if we actually get something good out of it. Um, yeah, it, it definitely could be worth it. I just, I don't know, I don't know that I would say we definitely should, should kind of go that way. And obviously, whatever coach decides to do that, if they decided to do that, his, his, his reputation would be ruined. I mean, they would slap a show cause on him quick enough that he wouldn't really have, you know, he, he wouldn't be able to really stay in the sport. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I mean, they could slap a five or, or 10 year show cause on him or something like that um, pretty quickly, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know anyone that would be brave enough to do it. Um, but if we could find someone that would, uh, yeah, I, I think I agree that it that wouldn't necessarily be a horrible idea. So. That's kind of all that I had for the day. Does, does anyone else have any final thoughts they want to share with everybody before we go? It's the off season. Well, yeah, I think, you know, and, and actually, as we were kind of planning the next few, I think we've, we were able to find some good off-season topics, but they're definitely topics that are really only worth talking about in the off-season when there's no, when there's, uh, no good <laughs> action to actually uh, talk about. So, all right, well, in that case, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up for now. Thanks, thanks guys, for joining me. It was great to, uh, to have all of you guys on. And, David, it, we, we, we finally got you on one of the episodes. <laughs> so... Um, I'll try and be on more in the future. Yeah, yeah. We, we didn't really have any uh, Twitter questions this week, and, and the ones that we got on the site are actually, I think, more appropriate to kind of pull out into much longer topics that we can talk about. So, um, But definitely, for those of you guys listening, um, get us your, your topic suggestions, your, your questions, and just kind of keep an eye on, on things that we can be doing to kind of make this better a better experience for everybody. So um, thanks for listening, and we will see you guys next time. See you Sports Social Podcast Network.